that was about helping people unleash the energy. Like we're human beings. We've got spirit. We've got drive. We've got whatever. And so many environments shut that down. How do you create an environment in which people feel and are supported to be that person? Because there are a time a dozen. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington with you with our latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And with me, I've got Nicole Davidson from Growth to Success. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm fantastic, Leanne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time. Before we talk about what you're doing now, you used to be a school teacher and interestingly, you taught in six different countries, meaning you were living in various places around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about that time? Yeah, sure. So I was teaching in Australia, but it was sort of at a time where it was really hard to get a permanent position. So you were kind of constantly struggling to sort of make ends meet. And so I applied for a job in Singapore and I got a job at an English language centre there. And I was going for two years and that two years turned into five. And then I just discovered, so I suppose after about three years there, I found out about international school teaching. So I got a job at the International School of Singapore. And from there, I just discovered that there was a career available in places that really satisfied my desire. I always thought I'd end up in the UK, but most of my time was spent in Asia. But I just found that I was in an environment where I was consistently able to meet my desire for adventure, for growth, And you're really treated as a professional in these places. It's not like in home countries quite often, teaching is not held in that high esteem. Yeah. So it was an incredible, incredible time. And also moving from country to country, it really allows you to sort of decide which part of yourself you want to take to the next place and which part. Tell me more about that. That's a really interesting comment. Yeah. So I remember actually at the Women in Real Estate Conference a couple of years ago, And somebody was talking about unpacking your suitcase and then repacking it. Yes, yes. And deciding what you want to take with you. And so that's really been my experience because as you leave somewhere, you've had an amazing time, you've made amazing relationships, et cetera. But when you're moving on, it's the closing of a chapter. And so with this closing of a chapter, something new has to come about. And so it was the new version of me. So can you talk to me about some of the things you actually did leave behind? Yeah, I think with each move, I probably left behind my need to change, to fit in. I think with each move, I became more secure in who I was. Like once you've done it twice, you kind of realise that it's the same stuff, different day. The people just change. Yeah. And so... I think another thing that I ended up leaving behind, and this was pretty significant when I was in China, I remember, I think I used to be a bit of an angry aunt. I I don't think that necessarily came across to people, but I think, you know, that 
sort of passive aggressive kind of anger. And I remember walking through this school I was teaching at, it was just such an amazing environment. And I remember being really angry with somebody. And I remember thinking, hang on, I've been angry in Australia. I've been angry in Singapore. I've been angry in Sri Lanka. Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a really powerful thing to realise, isn't it? Yeah, it was a light bulb moment, like a light bulb going on above your head. And so I did. I looked into that and I ended up doing a fantastic seven-day sort of residential thing where I recognised that part of myself and where it came from, et cetera, et cetera. And I think also, you know, living the expat life as well, it can be and quite often is a big party scene. Yeah. And I remember just realising when I did do this sort of seven-day residential personal development thing that actually, you know, my drinking was not necessarily allowing me to be the person I wanted to be. And so I made a real change there as well. So I think that was a huge shift in my growth and awakening. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you Mm. for sharing that. That's okay. And so China was the last place that you were posted? So I was in China for five years and... What was that like? It was I mean, mean, Singapore is great, but English is very common in Singapore. In China... At least when I went to China, there was no English. There was no signage. Like everything Mm. was so foreign. Yeah. It was hard to even get around. Yeah. So we were very fortunate. I mean, you do kind of, to be honest, live in a bit of an expat bubble. Yeah, Yeah. Probably through necessity as well. Yeah. And having said that, we were at a school. It was an international school and it was like a leading international school. And I suppose the integration of the Chinese culture and the school was very, very important. So we had a lot of support from Chinese staff in terms of the culture. I tried to learn Mandarin. It didn't go very well, but I tried very, very hard. But it allowed me to see how similar we are. And this is what I've learned from all the places I've lived. Oh, Leanne, you know, we're all the same, you know. And I think once you, I think that's what I did take away, you know, we love, we cry, we desire, we whatever. We live in different systems that give us a different degree of ability to do that. And I came away with four things, I think. You know, we want to feel inspired. We want to feel that we matter. We want to feel that what we do matters and we want to be happy. Yes, so powerful because I think we spend a lot of time focusing on our differences, Mm. right, and we look for what's wrong, not for what's right. That's right. Interesting. Okay. And so you had a bit of a an awakening when you were in China about mm. what you wanted for the rest of your life? Yeah, I did. I actually walked the Camino de Santiago across northern Spain. Wow. And I wanted to do that on my own. There was a fantastic friend in my school who'd done it, an American woman, and she was telling me about it and just resonated with me. So I planned on doing it and I just wanted to walk on my own. Why? Leanne, being a teacher, you never stop talking, Yeah, right? And I was in a couple of, you know, (laughs) you don't just have to be a teacher to not stop talking. Yeah. I had a couple of leadership positions as well and I just want to just be. Yeah, okay. I want to just be. So I went off and I, you know, arrived in Spain and it took me 28 days. And I find this fascinating. I couldn't think of anything worse than walking for 28 days. So how long do you walk for and where do you stay and how do you actually plan something like that? So 
I was really fortunate that my friend gave me a packing list because that can be your biggest thing that'll tie you up. And so I had a really, really light backpack and you stay in hotels called Albergays, which are for pilgrims as you're making the pilgrimage. You have to book them ahead or you can... You can't, you can't. Maybe you can. There's a lot more private ones opening up now. So you just turned up. There are a lot of them. So my advice was to time it to get there early so that you actually could could get a spot. You've been walking all day and then you get there and it's like, no no room at the inn. So how long do you walk for? I think the first day I did 25Ks and sort of varying because you could decide how far you wanted to go and where you wanted to end up. And I think the longest one I did was 44Ks. It was a big day. It is a big day. I Mm. only can think about it in terms of, City to surf. That's the I've ever walked, right? Well, the first one was two times the city to surf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was my immediate thought. Yeah, okay. And so what did that do for you, that experience? That's when I decided that because I loved, I loved, loved, loved my job in Beijing. It was absolutely fantastic, like it was perfect. But I also realised I wanted a relationship. In my 20s I did, you know, the long distance thing and I just made a decision that I didn't want to do that. And yeah. so I decided that I was going to come back to Australia and as soon as I got back, it was the first day of school, I walked straight into the director and into my principal as well and said I'm leaving at the end of the year. So I made that decision and it was great because then I had a year to say goodbye and a year just to know that I was going to be going. So it was quite yeah. intentional, which was great. Yeah, that's a long time, right? So yeah. Planning something like that. But, yeah, fair enough. Okay. So then you came back to Australia? Well, actually I didn't. I ended up in New Zealand. Oh, okay. I wasn't quite ready to come back to Australia, I realised, because part of being an expat, you're a little bit different. And I think there was part of me who really wasn't ready to be not different. Yeah. So I ended up in New Zealand and I ended up teaching there for a little while. But then circumstances meant that I was looking for somewhere else. And... I ended up in Azerbaijan, which is up near Russia. I ended up there for a year and it was amazing. Yeah. And then I came home and then I was ready not to be different. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a really interesting experience. Yeah. What stood out in that part of the world for you as against some of the Asian countries you'd been to? Generosity. I think such generous people, really family-oriented, just very generous. It was the safest place where I was in Baku. It was so safe. Right. not something you equate with up there. You think it's going to be really dangerous, but it was probably one of the safest places I've ever lived. And just the history there was quite amazing. So I think I arrived probably about 40 degrees and I had my winter coats <laughs> carrying over my arm. That was also very different, really dry heat as opposed yeah, to right. the humidity of the tropics. Yeah. Yeah, right. Interesting. And so when you came home, did you go back to teaching? No, I made the decision when I left Azerbaijan that I wasn't going back into teaching. One thing that I realised through my teaching, Leanne, was that in the classroom I loved growing the kids. I loved helping the parents grow, loved helping the staff grow. So my thing was really about growth and I came to the conclusion that when I was going to be in somebody's organisation being told how that had to happen, it just didn't really gel with me anymore. So that's why I decided to do what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. And it's sort of, you know, like any business, it just evolves over time. But I've arrived at a very certain place, you know, my school in Beijing. I worked under exceptional leadership and it was just so inclusive with everybody. 
And that's where I learned that we create the conditions to be successful. Okay, tell me more about that. So, for example, in the classroom, say I've got a room of 21 kids, which is ideal, right? Not a room of 30. And I've got a group of individuals in front of me. And so I kind of know where they are academically, socially, all those things. And I also know what their next steps are. So it's up to me to create the conditions where they feel safe, where they feel inspired, where they feel that they have the capacity to, I suppose, take charge and ownership of how they want to go. So I never ran a really tight ship, but I ran a very respectful one. So that really stood out for me. So I suppose I came away from WAB really understanding I went like that at that school. So what was it that allowed me to do that? I think they had belief in me when I didn't necessarily have belief in myself. Yeah. And then they also really celebrated. They just didn't talk about it. They celebrated diversity. Okay. And that was in the number of nationalities at the school, but it was also in terms of the way of thinking of the people within the school. And that's what diversity is all about, right? Yes. It's just a different way of thinking. And you can't have access to that without changing your environment sometimes. Yes. You know, I only look at things through the eyes of an older white female. Mm. And I've got to make sure that the people around me are diverse enough to challenge my thinking. And it took me a long while to realize that. Yeah, definitely. And creating a space where that's not just a token thing where it's really, you appreciate the richness of it yeah, because it is rich. And so that was about helping people unleash the energy. Like we're human beings. We've got spirit, we've got drive, we've got whatever. And so many environments shut that down. And so for any business, you know, and especially in real estate too, where your people are showing up front and center and are selling themselves, how do you create an environment in which people feel and supported to be that person because there are a dime a dozen real estate agents. So how do you stand out? And I don't mean that offensively because there is, they're on every corner. And I also believe, Leanne, that we choose where we use our gifts in this world. Yeah. Real estate is the industry that people choose to use their gifts through, not just somewhere where you go to get a paycheck or a commission, it's whatever, it's your life and your soul and your decision about where to spend your time and we've got one life to live. Yes, that's true, right? Yep. And you talk about the fact that we need to stop looking externally Mm. to find love and validation. Talk to me a little bit about that. When I did that course I was referring to, I really realised, because there's four parts to it, so you look at your intellectual self, your emotional self, your physical self and your spiritual self. My emotional self was just virtually non-existent. I could think my way through stuff. I could rationalize my way through stuff. And that really cost me not having that ability to just being so rational about life. That's not where relationships sit. That's not where desire naturally sits either. So being able to find within ourselves, I suppose the way I describe it, we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for things that we need to be giving ourselves. Because if I'm outside looking for somebody to validate me, to give me acceptance, to tell me I'm okay, then what's going on in here? There's this big void. Yeah. And from that void, that's where our fears, our doubts, our lack of self-worth come from. How do you show up powerfully when that's happening? 
So what I'm saying is we bring that back and my shoulders go back when I say that. Yeah. My shoulders go back because I'm bringing that back. I don't need somebody to give me my self-worth. I've got it, right? I don't need somebody to give me acceptance. I've given it to myself. And when I'm operating from that place, I can go out and I can relate to people from a really healthy place because I'm not asking them for anything. And if you think about that in the context of real estate, yep. how powerful is that? Because yeah. then you're not coming from that place of neediness because you've got everything you need. You're coming from a place of relationship. How can I help? And I think there's so much depression and anxiety and things going on and I'm not on social media and I decided to get off on social media. No. And I don't know that I can't see myself going back on. I don't know. And people will sit there and say, you're crazy if you're building your business. Maybe I am. However, there are other ways. If you don't do that, then you look for other ways to get the same thing. But I just noticed that my energy was always going out there and it didn't feel good. And I remember one day writing in my journal, like, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And it was like I'd get off social media. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was thinking about my business and all that kind of stuff and, you know, people saying you're nuts if you do that. Yeah. And I just had this really strong feeling that was right for me. And so I did. I wrote the question and I think it's a fantastic question. What would I do if I wasn't afraid? Because then when we make a choice and a decision from that place, it's a good choice. When we make decisions from fear, they're wobbly. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I'm on social media but not massively, but I do find myself scrolling Mm. wonderfully. All of a sudden you pick up your phone and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, It's really interesting the way it's changed how we spend our time. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too is we numb ourselves. So how do we connect to ourselves when our focus is out there? All right, used to drink a lot, used to party, used to do whatever, right? That took me away from who I was paying attention to other people's problems, that's taking him away from looking at my own and feeling my discomfort. Scrolling through social media, looking at what's going on in other people's lives so I don't have to face what's going on in my own. And so that became really important to me that my connection with me is of primary importance because I know that I'm a really good person when I'm doing that. And so just as we're finishing up, the time always goes so quickly on these chats. What would be the best advice that you would give someone who is starting to think that they really do need to stop looking externally for all of this validation? How do you turn it around and find it in yourself to give that to yourself? I think you notice your discomfort first because I think once you start paying attention to what's going on in your body and you start paying attention to your thoughts, then that self-awareness is really the first step. Because until we become conscious of something, we can't change it. And so my advice would just be to get curious. Get curious and notice what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what's going on in your body. Notice what you're pushing those feelings. Yes, because that's where it is. That's your soul coming to speak to you. Yeah. Listen to it and find people who love having those conversations and are interested in that because it's pure gold when you're living each day from that sense of aliveness rather than that sense of I have to. I like that, your soul coming to speak to you. Mm. Yeah, interesting. All right, my friend, now if any of our listeners would like to contact you, they can't just find you on social, so 
Where do they find you? So they can go to my website, Growth to Success, or they can just drop me an email at nicole at growthtosuccess.com.au. Beautiful. All right. Well, so lovely to catch up. You too. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.